This is the GGC Life Podcast. I really want us together to open up our hearts to God's Word and take it with a, like a child, a childlike faith that we believe everything that's in the Word. So it's, what I'm going to share with you is not my opinion of the Word. We, we're going to read the Word. We're going to see that it's in the Bible. So when you can be convinced, when you open up your Bible and you can see, okay, that's in the Bible, that's quite clear. It might, it might shock my mind. It might shock my thoughts. It might shock the way I see myself. But if that's what God says about me, I'm going to believe it. Can you say amen? Do you believe that? Because hearing this message won't change you if you just hear it. We can be hearers of the Word and don't do it. We, uh, we deceive ourselves. So hearing the Word only won't, won't transform your life. We have to actually believe it, okay? Um, the children of Israel heard the gospel, Hebrews chapter 4, but it did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. So they, they heard the good news of going into the promised land, but a lot, some of them didn't mix it with faith. They didn't get to go to the promised land. So we can hear the word, but you've got to mix it with faith, okay? And Ephesians is such a brilliant, genius book. It really is. It's a letter to the Ephesians church, the church in Ephesus, which is in Turkey. If you went to Turkey now, went to Ephesus, the remains are still there of this city, this beautiful city. The amphitheater that the Bible speaks about where the um, riot took place because of the preaching of the gospel, the riot. There was a massive riot. Silversmith, people that were making idols, got all the people that were making idols and they, they made an uproar in the city in this amphitheater that sits about 20,000 people. They were trying to get to Paul, kill Paul, get rid of Paul, stop him from preaching this gospel because it shook the city to its core. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it shook the economy of these rich people that were making lots of money out of idols where people didn't want to buy idols anymore. This is the power of the gospel that Paul had. Uh, uh, what I want to remind us is Paul is a man just like you and I. Because easy for us, you know, sometimes we have the wrong mindset, oh, but that's Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. Well, reality is you are also sons and daughters of God. And what Jesus has, we should be able to, we're followers of Jesus, we're imitators of Jesus. And the Bible says we are being transformed into and conformed into the image of Christ. Romans 8 says our destiny is to be conformed into the image of His Son. That's in the Bible. So, but, but I just want to remind us, Paul was a man just like you, but he shook the world with his gospel, what he understood of the gospel. So what Paul understood of the mystery that was hidden in God, this mystery. What is the mystery? The word mystery literally means secret. It was hidden in God. People didn't understand it until it was revealed to the holy apostles and prophets in the early church. And the holy apostles and prophets um, revealed this mystery and read it, wrote it down. And the church was built on the mystery of Christ. The secret that was hidden in God that's now revealed to all saints. So it's not a mystery anymore because it's actually written. Problem is, if we read it and don't believe it, it doesn't get revealed. If we read it and believe it, it gets revealed. When it gets revealed to your spirit, then you can start living it. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah. It's an ingenious book. It's phenomenal. It's like Paul was, an, was a, he even said of himself, Paul was a master builder. A master builder of the church. That's found in 1 Corinthians 3. So, so Paul, you know, just to cut a, a real quick theme of this amazing book, Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 really tells us, all that we are in Christ. It gives us our identity, our, that we have been adopted by the Father, redeemed by Jesus, and sealed by the Holy Spirit. 
It gives us this revelation that we are actually seated with Christ in heavenly places. We were dead in our sins, but God made us alive in Christ, raised us up far above all principalities and powers. We sat down at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. He didn't do it alone. He actually brought mankind up with Him when you believe. That's the gospel that Paul preached. I don't know if it's the gospel that we actually believe. Do we actually believe we're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus in Christ? That's pretty powerful. Just let that sink for a second because we, we are actually powerful. In the new creation, God created a new species of being, superhuman beings. We actually are. You might say, what are you trying to say? We're super. Yes, because the Holy Spirit is supernatural. Holy Spirit lives in you. So we should be empowered to live supernatural lives that we could never live without the Holy Spirit. Could never live. No one can live this Christian life without the Holy Spirit. But chapter 1, 2, and 3 tells us everything that Christ gave us so that we can access to the Father by one Spirit. The whole point is so we can have access to God the Father and the Holy Spirit now is in me and sealed. The word sealed means he put a down deposit, a deposit, like a down payment to seal you for the full redemption of what was purchased. Talking about you, you, your, you as a person. Because that's going to happen. Your body will re- be redeemed in the last day in the resurrection. That's the full payment of the full re- uh, the redemption of the possession of Christ. We're his possession and it's going to be, we're going to be completely redeemed. But the Holy Spirit says seal like a down payment. It says like a pledge. We put a down payment on this building. It's called $1.2 million deposit. That means no one else can touch this building except for us. We can buy it. That's what a down payment does. Holy Spirit comes inside you. No one can touch you except for God because He's paying you in full. Actually, He has already paid you in full, but the, the full down payment will happen when your body's resurrected. Are you following? So, so then, so chapter one, chapter two, it can go into three, and we can. Uh, God wants us, our eyes to be open uh, to the hope of a calling, and we'll go into that in a second. But, but it says that we can know the depth, the width, the length, the height, the, the, the you know, the, the agape of Christ. So we can know Him, that we can be filled. So when we know Him, our minds can be filled with knowledge, so that we can be filled with the fullness of the knowledge of God. And it talks about, and because of this, we can. Or whatever we ask or think, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ever ask, think, or imagine according to the dynamous power that works within us. And when it, then it goes into chapter 4 and it says, because of this, walk worthy of the high calling. If you understand the high calling you'll be called to, chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, if you actually understand who you are in Christ, then walk worthy of this high calling with all humility, bearing with one another in love. When you understand the high calling, you'll bear with one another's weaknesses, insecurities, hurts, offences. you have all the love from the Father to forgive. But walk worthy of the high calling. If I don't understand the high calling, I don't know how to walk worthy of it. If I don't really believe that I'm called to a high calling, the word calling means invitation. That might sound weak, but that's God's invitation into His throne. God's invitation into His presence. That's a high calling. And when Ford talks about, you know, walking in unity, one body, one Lord, one faith, one God, one baptism, and that Christ gave to the whole church, global church, everyone that's a true believer, God gave apostles, pastors, 
sorry, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers. And you need all five to equip the saints to the work of the ministry, right? We know that. We've been teaching that. So if we believe the fivefold ministry, God himself, through Jesus, gave. Jesus broke up himself when he went to heaven and he gave to the whole church. We need true apostles, authentic apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, teachers to equip the saints to come into maturity so that we can grow into the fullness of sons of God. And that we can be conformed into the full stature of Jesus. So this will happen until we grow into the full stature of Jesus. Then it says, because of Jesus, walk in the truth that's been revealed to Jesus. And then you can renew your mind. If we're not exposed to the fivefold ministry properly, we won't be able to renew our mind with truth. If you aren't exposed to one ministry, pastor, you won't grow to the fullness. You won't be able to renew, renew your mind. So this renewing of the mind happens because we've been exposed to God's blueprint, God's way of changing, transforming, becoming more like Jesus. Then you become, you can renew your mind. Then when it talks about the renewing of the mind, put off the old things, then it talks about forgive one another, unforgiveness, bitterness, and all that. it talks all about the stuff with relationship. And then it goes on to walk in holy, get rid of sin, right? And then it says be filled with the Spirit. And, you know, because, you know, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to talk about how do you parent, no, actually marriage. Then he goes into marriage, how marriage should be structured. See, marriage is a, the backbone of family. Family is the backbone of society. So Paul now is saying this is how marriage should be healthy. And he exp- explains, man laid down his life for his wife. Wife learned to respect her husband and walk in submission because of the man's willing to lay down his life for his wife. It's not a dictatorship, rulership, I'm the leader. No, you lay down your life. And so God, God gives you the structure and Paul explains clearly, this is how marriage should be healthy and lay down your life. And then it says, children obey your parents. He talks about children obeying parents. Parents don't, this is how you should raise your children, honour your mother and father. It's all about parenting, how we look up to our parents, respect and honour them, but how we should take care of our children. And then it says work. Then this is how you should be in the employment and how employers should treat uh, their employers and how employees should take care of how, sh- how they should be sub- obedient to their employees as if they're doing it unto Christ, as if Christ's watching. And so it gives you all this thing. And then right at the end, right at the end, God, Paul ro- speaks about warfare. Finally, my brothers, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and put on the whole armour of God. See, if you, don't, if you don't understand who you are in Christ, you try to do warfare, you'll get taken out for sure. He's trying to say, you find out who you are in Christ. You find out your identity. You get transformed by the ministry of the apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist. You renew your mind. You start living in this holiness. Then you'll start having authority to pull down principalities and powers. So we can try to do warfare and don't have our life in order and don't have our life in submission. You have no, no clout in the spirit realm whatsoever. So even that, can you see he's, that he's a genius? He's, he, that he's saying, guys, know who you are. Three whole chapters knowing who you are in Christ so that you can be powerful against principalities and powers of mind. When you know who you are in Christ and you're living it out, you know the powers of darkness can't touch you. You're not afraid of them. They're afraid of you. It's completely different. Christians sometimes speak like they're afraid of the devil. The devil's attacking me. Oh, it's, it's the devil's attack again. Oh, I, 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 something's happening. Oh, it must be the devil. It's like you give the, the devil so much power, so much glory. The Bible actually says in Isaiah, one day when we look back, we'll go, is that him who, dis- who disturbed everybody? That little thing disturbed thing, the earth. Without Christ, he has power. I'm telling you, without Christ, he's, all, he's got all power over you. The only power he's got is when you have deception, when you believe a lie. But when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. So Paul, the apostle, is trying to show us, guys, we have to know who we are. 
We have to know our identity. We have to know we're truly sons and daughters. And when I say no, that we actually believe it. This is the key. You have to believe it first before you can live it. Some of us are trying to live it and then I'll believe it. You have to believe the finished work of Christ. He's done it. I am adopted. I can't be unadopted. You are adopted. Even the legal system, when someone's adopted, you can't change your mind and unadopt them. It's as powerful as a biological son. God has adopted us through Jesus Christ, God the Father. And we are heirs of God. So it's believing that. Hang on, I'm an heir. I'm an heir of God. Now, I had to say all that just to get us prepared to, get to read the Word. Or else we read the Word and we go, oh, yeah, he's just reading the Word. I, wanna, I want you to know, let's, let's take this holy reverence. Let's have a look what did Paul know. If he could raise the dead. Someone fell asleep while he was preaching. On the third level of the home. And he's in the wind, windowsill, he's watching. And, and Paul's preaching pretty late, 12, 12 o'clock at night. And he's like, falling asleep. That encourages any preacher. But, but because Paul, and he's falling asleep when Paul's preaching. The guy falls asleep and dies. Paul goes down and hugs him. And Paul says, it's okay, his life is in him. And raises him from the dead. Everyone was encouraged and comforted and wondered and wow. Paul just hugged him. It doesn't say Paul prayed for him. Paul went on him and released what was on him. The Holy Spirit, the power of life, the living one, bang, and raised him from the dead. That's what we're reading. Now we're reading someone that knows. He's walking it out. That's why he can do that. That's why you go to a place where Lystra, a guy was 38 years crippled all his life, born that way. His legs would be like bones and skin, skin and bones. And he says in front of everybody, because he saw he had faith to be healed, stand up on your feet and walk. Man, that's gutsy to do that. Because if he doesn't stand, you're a false prophet. If he doesn't stand, they're going to kick you out and get out of here. Guy stands up on his feet for the first time. The power of God hits him. So we're now we're looking into the insight of Paul the, the apostle, the great, uh, I would say, the great man of God. We're going to start from chapter 3 because it's important to see this and then we'll go to chapter 1. And then we'll take about eight hours to go through it. Is that all right? <laughs> for, verse 1. For this reason, chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, I love the fact that he just says Paul, not Apostle Paul, no titles, just Paul, first name basis. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. It didn't see himself as a prisoner of Caesar. He saw himself as a prisoner of Christ Jesus, a love slave of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles or of you Gentiles. If indeed you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. If you've heard of the stewardship, I, that Paul saw that he was stewarding the grace of God that was given to him. What was the grace of God given to him for? Not for himself, for, for, for you, for, other, for God's people. So when God gives you grace, He doesn't give it for you to live a holy, like blessed, prosperous life. It's, yes, it's given for you, but it's given for you for others. God always thinks for others. This, this grace which was given to me for you, that by revelation there was made known to me the mystery. Remember that word, mystery? The mystery. By revelation was made known to me the mystery, the secret, as I wrote before in brief. When did he write before in brief? If he's saying this in chapter 3, when did he write about the mystery? Chapter 1 and chapter 2. What I wrote about before, chapter 1 and chapter 2, is Paul's brief 
description of the mystery. He said it himself. True? I'll read it again. That by revelation there was made known to me the mystery that as I wrote before in brief, by referring to this, what? What he wrote in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Remember, this is, doesn't have chapter 1 and chapter 2 and chapter 3. This is just a letter. We put, we put chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, verse this, so that we can do reference and studies and Bible study. Like in a big meeting like this, we went to chapter 3. You found it straight away. Also, I would have to say, you know, somewhere halfway, a little bit in the middle of that, when Paul was saying, you'll never find it. So we put the chapters there. But he is saying, or else he would have said chapter 1 and chapter 2. He didn't, did he? He said, by referring this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Made it very clear when you go read chapter 1 and chapter 2 or beforehand, you'll understand my insight. Um, that is, the word insight means my mental putting together of this mystery. Literally what it means. Insight means a mentally a mental putting together of something. And in my intelligence of the mystery. So he's writing out how he sees the mystery. You got it? Yeah. His understanding is another word. His understanding into the mystery of Christ, which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it is now being revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. Right? So... In other generations, it wasn't, it wasn't revealed to any sons of men, but it's now been revealed to his holy apostles. It's revealed now. In the New Testament, in the beginning of the church, they preach this mystery. They preach. By the way, I, I just want to tell you, in Colossians chapter 1, I think it is, end of 1, maybe. Yeah, end of 1, I think, or maybe 2. Paul says about this mystery. He says, this mystery, and he tells us what it is, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So what is the mystery in a nutshell? The Christos, the anointed one in us, the hope of glory, the earnest expectation of the glory of God. Where? Inside you. Inside you. The the glory of God is inside you now because the veil has been torn from top to bottom and you can go into the Holy of Holies where the glory of God is and the Holy Spirit moved from there and went inside our temples. Our physical body is a temple. And together we make up the temple of God as well. Being living stones, we are bricked together. That's, it. That's found in Ephesians as well. So this mystery, Paul's saying, if you read it, you'll understand my insight. And again, I just want to remind us, it's only his insight. Because further down, he says, what I mean by that, because he can't reveal it in just two chapters. All of it. He says... In 6, to me, the very least of all the saints, I love Paul's attitude. I mean, he's a great apostle, but he says, to me, the least of all the saints, the least, the less of the least of all the saints. That's what it means. He says, this grace was given to preach, proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ or the untraceable or unsearchable riches of Christ. The word unsearchable means unsearchable. You can't get to the end of the riches of Christ. You'll never find out all of the riches of Christ, even when you get to heaven. I'm convinced because it's connected to who God is towards us. It's eternal. Are you following so far? It, It even goes on to say, verses 11, just have a look at this. This was in accordance, talking about this Gospel, this mystery, this was in accordance with the eternal purpose which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord. So what God did in Christ Jesus our Lord was, a, was an internal purpose. Eternal. 
God didn't come up with an idea that I want children in eternity. It was always with him. Eternal means eternal. Eternal purpose means God had us in his heart always. He never came up with the thought, I think I want children. Like when he hadn't, even when he, before he created the universe, before he created all the suns, the stars and the universe and earth wasn't created, nothing's created because he created angels. Everything else is created except him. Even before that time, he had us on his mind. And it's been revealed in Christ. Now let's read chapter 1 if we can. Um, Paul, I love that again, just Paul, thank you very much. Not Apostle Paul, not Reverend Paul, not some Bishop Paul, just Paul. That's why we ask, just call us, just Leo, that's it. Just Leon, just Sal, Sal's just a Sal, right? It's not, it's not Pastor Sal, it's just Sal. All right, Salvatore. means salvation, by the way, but anyway, we won't go there. (laughs) Paul, an apostle of Christ, a sent one. The word apostle means to be sent, like an ambassador of Christ, the anointed one, the anointed saviour by the will of God. He he was convinced he was was an apostle by the will of God, not the will of man. No No one convinced him to do this. He knows he's called by the will of God. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, we read that like that's nothing. I'll just read it again. This is how I read it the other day. I'm just reading it and letting the Holy Spirit speak to me. Grace to you, undeserved favour to you, Leo. Peace from God our Father. We're talking about God, the most powerful being in the universe. God's a person. But he's the most powerful being in the universe. His face, the Father's face, would shine brighter than a thousand suns put together. And the Father's presence, if I was in his presence on the throne, his face would shine brighter than a thousand suns. And this being, this beautiful person, this Father, this Daddy, grace and peace to you. He says grace and peace to you. When someone like him says grace and peace to you, just receive it. Receive it. Actually believe it. I stop thinking, I believe it. The most powerful being in the universe, my Father in heaven, sits on the throne, brighter than all the thousand suns out there in the universe. He says, peace. He says, grace. I stop and I, I absorb that. I absorb that. I just thank you for that. You say grace. It's not coming from just some person. It's coming from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, I don't know your image of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if you, when he comes back to this planet, like he was a suffering servant, but when he comes back to this planet, he's not going to come you know, with scars and, and sort of, I made it. I was waiting in heaven for so long and it was so hard up there and I was just going mad to see what's happening in the earth. Like he's coming back brighter than the sun. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood because of the face of Jesus, the glory that comes from his being. We're talking about that Lord Jesus. It says grace and peace to you. We have to see it for what it is. And I'm not exaggerating. You cannot exaggerate what I'm about, what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you cannot, words, human words cannot explain God the Father who sits on the throne, Jesus on the right hand of the Father. But I'm giving you biblical words. They're not my imagination and they're not my opinion. What I've told you about the glory of Jesus shining brighter than the sun, that's biblical. And the Father's presence in his brilliant glory would be way brighter than any sun he's ever created which we could not stand in front of a sun 
that he has created. That's why our flesh can't handle the presence of God. You die. We have to be, you have to, you know, your spirit has to leave this body and go. And then you get a glorified body for all eternity. So we read that and we go, okay, now that, that means something to me. That's like, wow. And then, I say, and then I say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The word blessed in the Bible means to speak well of. To speak well of. It makes up two words, elogetos. Um, it means to speak well. One is to speak, the other one is well or good. So we sp- it starts with us speaking well of God. Blessed be, the, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed, spoken well of you. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're talking about God the Father, who is the most powerful being in the universe, spoke well of you in Christ. With all spiritual, speaking well of. All spiritual blessings. What's a spiritual blessing? Just tell me quickly, what spiritual blessings do you think that is? If God the Father has spoken spiritual blessings over you, what are those spiritual blessings? Just name one spiritual blessing. You're not going to get it wrong. Grace, favor, healing, joy, peace, patience, wisdom, spiritual blessings, forgiveness, because we found that in Christ. Freedom is a spiritual blessing. Authority is a spiritual blessing. Huh? Kindness is a spiritual blessing. Boldness is a spiritual blessing. This all, all of this, God has already spoken well of you. Every, it's not like some spiritual blessings. Every spiritual blessing you possibly need, you've got it in Christ. Notice we read, we have been blessed. What does have mean? Past tense. Anytime you come across the scriptures and it's past tense, hath been redeemed, you have been forgiven. And in this past tense means it's already done. It's a legal redemption. It's been done 2,000 years ago. We're not trying to convince God, twist his arm and beg him, or even try to say, well, if I live right, then I'll get it. It did, you know, it said, it said, it said um, what does it say? It said, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. This message is to the saints, set apart ones, who are at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Notice it didn't say who are perfect in Christ Jesus. What does it mean to be faithful? Hold on to the gospel. In Colossians it says, He is able to make you holy, without blame, unreproachable in His presence, if you continue in the hope held out in the gospel. So He makes you holy, perfect, righteous, unblameable, unreproachable in his presence in his face not because you're perfect but because of what he did for you if you continue in the hope held out in the gospel what's the gospel the good news of what Jesus did for you on the cross I'm holding on to that Lord my faith is in you you did it for me my faith is in the finished work of Christ you sent your son to live a perfect life and he took my penalty my judgment on the cross so I could be forgiven so I can have right standing with God so I can stand holy before him Oh, but if I mess up, ask God to forgive you. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And when I've confessed and asked God to forgive me and I repent from that, guess what? I go before his presence, holy. Because my faith is in him, not in me. This is the good news. If it was to be perfect, we'd all be gone. We all couldn't make it. Every person in the body of Christ wouldn't be able to make it. 
We all went through Jesus. Amen? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, past tense, it's been done, blessed us, spoken well of us. I mean, if God the Father spoke well of me, nothing, no one, no one, no one could stop that. If I believe it. If I don't believe it, people can stop it. I've got to believe it. I add my amen to what he has said. I say, so be it. The word amen means so be it. Blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In Christ. So if I start from this place. I was meditating this recently. I start from this place. I have every spiritual blessing. Everything. I believe that. And I get to a place where I actually believe. When I believe I'm seated at the right hand of the Father. When I believe I've been raised up far above all principalities, seated with Christ. When I believe that reality, I want to live that reality. I want to please the one who loved me so much. I want to please the one who valued me so much that did all that to bring me into his presence. I want to please him. I have to believe it though. The believing, gives me, I believe, gives us the power to obey. We, uh, <laughs> we can't even get to it. Next week, our Lord willing, even if it's Father's Day, I'm going to go into this. Because I think we need to see, you're going to be the best father if you know who you are. You're going to be the best son if you're going to know, and a best daughter if you know who you are. This, I believe with all my heart, this stems all the problems. Because when you know you arrived, you know you're loved, you know you're valued. And we believe that this is what God has done for us. It talks about just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose you before the foundation of the world. Before the world was even founded, he chose you. Before he, it says that we would be holy and blameless. Before him. Again, why are we holy and blameless? Didn't say perfect, but holy and blameless. Right? Before him, because of what Jesus did. Waiting for that to go off. (laughs) In love, he predestined, he predetermined us to adoption as sons. Again, why? Through Jesus Christ to himself. God the Father adopted us. Again, the most powerful person on the, on the, in the whole universe, the most powerful being, the Father, God himself, he chose to adopt you. I think we're just going to settle the fact we actually adopted because of the blood of Jesus has paid the price for us. He adopted us. As sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Whose kind intention? His will. God intended this. God had this plan to the praise of the glory of his grace. Who gets to praise? Praise of the glory of whose grace? Him. We, 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 we can never get praise for it because he did it all. Even if you're walking in obedience to the truth of the gospel, you don't give ever praise for it because He gave you that power. He gave you that ability. He gave you the grace. He gave you the Spirit. He gave you His Word. He, gave you, he gives you everything you need to walk with Him. To the praise of the glory of His grace, 
which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. He freely gave us in the beloved means in the ones that are agape, we're unconditionally loved. You know, when, when I, I was a young believer, very, very young, I had a number of encounters that really, that really speaks about this. And one of them was when I was in the Hilly Street, Mortlake, when there was no units at all. It was really, really quiet and right on the water and there was just trees everywhere. And I'd go there for pray, praying all the time. And one time I was struggling to pray. I was struggling to connect with God. I was struggling just to... I remember thinking to myself, oh, God... Must have been stuff that I, maybe I must have done things or sin. I can't remember it now, but it, something was holding me back with guilt and shame. And I remember trying to talk to God and I felt distant. I felt like it was a spiritual wars really far. And, and I felt God say, Leo, and I, felt, I felt God say, Leo, I welcome you into my presence. He, he tried to show me how he sees it. And he says, Leo, did, he goes, did you know you needed salvation? And I thought, no, I didn't even know I needed salvation. He goes, who came up with the idea? Whose plan was it? And he started reminding me of Ephesians to the kindness of the will, to the, to, the, to the good pleasure of his will. This is to the praise of the glory of his grace. We're, we're praising his kindness. He came up with the idea. He predetermined it. He thought about it. I love my people. I'm going to die for them on the cross so I can bring them back to myself. And when I realized his intention, his desire, his willingness to, basically he says, I welcome you into my presence. I want you to come in. I did everything to bring you in when you didn't even know you needed it done. And it made me, just a load went off. I'm like, okay, I've got to start to understand that. I, know, I have to understand he wants me to come into his presence. Or else you have a mentality, I have to work for it. I have to be good enough. And when I'm doing good and I'm obeying God, now I, could, I deserve to come in because I don't have any guilt or shame on me. I deserve to come in, but when, I, when I'm... If you, in other way too, if you think because you've been obedient for a few weeks or a few months, I deserve to go in, you're still relying on your works. When you mess up once, you're still going to think, oh, well, I've got to show God that I'm really sincere and genuine. You're relying on yourself and not the blood of Jesus, not the grace of Christ. And then, and then through that, that, that should be broken so that you can have a love relationship. And this is what motivates you. Lord, I don't want to mess up because I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to grieve your heart. I don't want to hinder our relationship. I want to hate sin because it hinders our relationship. The fear of the Lord is to hate sin. But the motive to hate sin has to be the same motive why God hates sin. Or else we go, we, don't, we hate sin so that we can be successful. I don't want to sin. I want, I want the anointing. I want power. I want authority. So I want to be holy so I can be powerful and see the church grow and see my ministry grow. Well, then you're, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're still doing it for yourself. That won't last. That won't hold water. In the Bible, I just, you know, when, 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 sorry, when Tyrant came here with the, you know, the NCMI equip time, one of the themes of an apostolic ministry is to lay right foundation, right? The right foundation. One of the things that Tyron's been saying for many, many years is to keep the main thing, uh, keep the main one, the main thing, being Jesus. And he's been preaching about Jesus for the last 10 years to try to get the church back to Jesus, to be in love with Jesus. We do ministry because we love him. We want to serve, we want to love people because we love him. It has to be out of this motivation of we're in love with him, therefore we want to love others. And... And I thought about that and I just thought, I'm going to read chapter 1 and just read how many times that the Bible, the Word of God, that we're all supposed to preach from, 
the Bible, how many times it refers to the Father or Jesus or the Lord or Christ or Him, you know, in Him we have this. Anytime I looked at that, chapter 1 had 40 mes- mes- mentions of Jesus or the Father or in Him or in Christ. 40, just one chapter. Chapter um, 2 had 32 mentions. Chapter 3 had 23 mentions, and I didn't get to 4, 5, or 6, but I'm sure it's going to be way over 100 all up in one letter. So you think when the church preaches the Word of God, then you reckon it's all going to be about Jesus. So that our focus gets back in line, in love with Him. We preach the gospel of the kingdom. It's all about King Jesus. We preach the kingdom, but we preach the King of the kingdom. And we hear that all the time. So when you read the Bible, you see it. You start to see it's actually all about Him. Does that make sense? Even when I'm preaching the gospel, I'm trying to help us see it's all about Him. I'm pointing it to He did it. He's done it for us. I'll give you a little... um, I'm just thinking if I need to go there or not, but maybe just, yeah, it's important. I might go again tomorrow and next week because it's important. It, sometimes you have to hear it over and over before we get it. And I've said this before, but I, I know until, until we do in the works of Jesus, we, had, we haven't got it yet. All right. Is that okay? So I still need to see it. I still need to understand it. I still need to believe it. Um, let's just have a quick look at, Paul's attitude when he said in verse um, 17, well, actually, 15, sorry. For this reason, because God the Father has adopted us, Jesus Christ completely redeemed us, Holy Spirit has completely sealed us. It's the work of the Father, the work of the Son, and the work of the Holy Spirit who's sealed us complete. We're safe. No, no, no one can get, get you because the Holy Spirit has sealed you. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost. For this reason, I too, having heard of faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. I love faith in the Lord Jesus, but your love for all the saints. You can't do this thing on your own. I have, I have faith in the Lord Jesus, and I just go to my home group by myself. Or I, I just follow Jesus on my own. There's too many of those people. But it's the love of our Lord Jesus. The, the love of all saints, sorry. The love for all saints. When you love Jesus properly, you're going to want to love all saints. Do not, he goes, I do not cease to give thanks for you while mentioning you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, again, the one who shines brighter than a thousand suns, may give you, this is what he prays. This is his main focus when he prays. This is his main intention as, a, as an apostle. That may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. It's not in success in prosperity, in, in, in doing this and doing that. I'm going to teach you how to grow a church. I'm going to teach you how to reach people, reach the lost. I'm going to teach you. I, I pray, Paul said, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will be given to you to know Him. If we can know Him, like Tyrant said, our correct view of Jesus will give us a correct view of everything else. To know Jesus. So actually, we actually need a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know Him. This is something I've prayed all my life for the church and for our children and for our family. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus to know Him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Paul knew what he wanted them to know. I pray that the eyes of your heart, some say imagination, so your heart can see. Your heart can see doom, it can see despair, it can see fear, or it can see faith, it can see hope. 
your heart sees. And it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be open to what? To the hope of His calling. Notice it doesn't say your calling. The the, the Scriptures emphasize correctly. It's His calling on your life. We always say, oh, my calling. What's my calling? And it's usually about the will of God here on earth. What am I called to do here? What am I called? I wonder what it is. Do His calling. His calling is sit at the right hand of the Father so we can fellowship with Him. Do that, then your assignment will be revealed to you easily. Your calling here on earth will, will, will flow out of following His calling. What is the hope of our calling? It's the calling is the invitation. He invited us to Himself. The hope of His calling, His calling, which, sorry, and always, also open up the eyes of our understanding or eyes of our heart to what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Riches of the glory, might be a handful for some of us. Riches of the glory, the glory is the presence and, and, and weightiness of God. Riches of the glory of His inheritance. That actually, I believe that envelopes everything. His inheritance is everything. It's being an heir of God. An inheritance. What's an inheritance? My mum and dad both passed away quite young, in their 50s. My mum and dad worked hard. A lot, a lot of my childhood life, I saw them work two, three jobs each. Easy. Most times, three jobs each. Working long hours. Some of them like milk run, bread run, they ran their own businesses. But they worked long hours to pay off two homes by the time I was a teenager. That hard work, when they passed away, we inherited it without any works. Why did I inherit it? Because I have their name. Me and my brother my sister, we have their name. And so there was no argument about it, everything they ever worked for. All the houses, there was only one house left then. We sold the house and we inherited free, free of us. That's inheritance. Someone has to die before you get your inheritance. Most of us think when we get to heaven, we get our inheritance. That's when we die. No. According to Hebrews, we get our inheritance when the one who made the covenant, the New Testament. New Testament is a will, the new will in His blood. The new will. Jesus made this testament with mankind. When He dies, we get the inheritance. So we get it now if you believe it. We can walk in that inheritance now. I'm a son of God now. I'm a son of God. I've got to walk around. I'm the son of God. Holy Spirit, powerful Spirit of the living God lives inside of me. I've got to believe that. That's why we can lay hands on the sick and they can recover. Because He lives in me. Open up our eyes to the hope of our calling, to the riches of the glory of our inheritance. Again, part of that is the fact that we're seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus. Most the church, most people in the church don't believe what Paul preached and taught here. They believe, rightfully so, that Jesus defeated death, you know, Sin and death and, and hell and everything defeated it 100%. They believe that. They believe, some people believe they stripped Satan of his authority, took the keys of death and hell. And, and when he got resurrected, you know, Holy, the spirit of Jesus that was, took the keys of hell had to go back into his body that was in the, in the tomb. And then when, he's, when he went back to his body, he went at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews tells us clearly he poured out blood there. He had physical blood in his body. He poured it out at the, at the mercy seat and he's then glorified. And then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Everyone believes that. 
But what Paul goes on to believe, it's in the Bible, he actually believes you were also raised with Christ. Those scriptures where it says you were made alive with Christ, raised with Christ and seated with Christ literally means with. There's this word called sun. It means together with. Made alive together with. Uh, sorry, uh, you died on your own because you didn't die with Christ. It says, yeah, it says that because you died to your sin. You were dead in your sins. It doesn't say with. You were dead in your sins. But then when you were made um, alive, you were alive with Christ. You raised with Christ and you were seated with Christ. Chapter 2 didn't stop the thought when you read it. What is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? That's what he's writing. What is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us? Towards us, towards you. That You're a believer, aren't you? What is the exceeding greatness of His power towards us who believe? I wonder what it is. It's the working of His mighty power when He raised Jesus from the dead. That's what the Scripture says. Why, why did God raise, use His mighty power to raise Jesus from the dead? When He raised Lazarus from the dead, it wasn't the same as when He raised Jesus from the dead. Why? Lazarus, Jesus Himself says, come out! And He came out. But Lazarus died again later, you know that. He grew old and died. When Jesus rose from the dead, when He was dead, all the demons in hell, all the realms of darkness wanted to keep Him dead. True? They didn't want Him alive. They didn't want Him to come back from the dead. They didn't want the Word of the Father to be right. That He had no sin, therefore He couldn't die. So all the demons tried to keep Him dead. And, and the God the Father went, ding, 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 with His little finger up, exceeding greatness of His power, and raised Him from the dead. All the realms of darkness couldn't keep Him dead. What is the exceeding greatness of His power? Then it goes on in chapter 2. And you, who were dead in your sins, He made alive with Christ. So when Christ was raised from the dead, He didn't just raise for Himself. He raised all of humanity that put their faith in Him and raised us up in heavenly places. Far above principalities and powers and might and dominion. You're actually seated far above all the principalities and powers and might that are in this realm of darkness. They're afraid of you. They don't want you to know this mystery, this secret that you have all authority because of Jesus. Jesus has got all authority. Someone has no authority. Satan has no authority. We don't have our own authority. We have Jesus' authority. But Jesus' authority is all authority. Does it make sense? We have to believe that, okay, if I'm raised from the dead, I'm, I'm seated with Christ. Demons, if you're, if you're talking about demons, demons are afraid of you. They're afraid that you get to know this secret. Don't tell them the secret. How could they get it? No, they got it. No. I'm not joking. They run in terror. And then you start, you stand to stand tall if you came across a demon. You're not afraid of a demon. If you have a bad nightmare, don't be afraid of it. Get up and say, get out of this room. How dare you have, you have no legal right to try to torment me. Well, who do you think you are? Get out. I'm serious, with that attitude. You've got to get fed up with it. You've got to say, you haven't got a right or else you've given it power. Both of you, you gave me a nightmare. It can't take your life. Demons can't take you if you belong to Christ. If you don't belong to Christ, then it's a different story altogether then come and get help. So we'll continue this and go into the Scriptures deeper and better. Like I, I, want, I, I preach from my spirit, but I want us to go into the Scriptures and see it. So I think Elisa was saying she was reading all of Ephesians this week. Do that. Go read it for yourself. Go get this. Go read it over and over. Stay in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, maybe for the next two weeks. If you can every day, just read it over and over. 
Say, Lord, show me that. Let me see that. Because He'll show you what you're ready to hear and see and reveal to you. Amen? So, Father, we, we, we ask You and thank You that You've given us the power of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's dynamite power, dynamous power. And that dynamite power, that almighty power is in the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you, you live in every one of us that have given our lives to you. All of us that have submitted our lives to you, Lord Jesus, thank you that you raised us up into heavenly places. That you blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Lord, we, we see ourselves that way. We thank you. There's nothing we have to do. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to strive. We don't have to perform. We are sons and daughters. We are your sons and daughters. Father, I pray ongoingly for the rest of our days here on earth that you would reveal this one truth that we are your sons and daughters. Let us grow in it, grow in the fullness, and that we would be like your son Jesus when he was on this earth, that we honour you the way he did. We thank you for this, Lord. Holy Spirit. Spirit of wisdom and revelation to be given to all of us in this room and anyone that's listening online. We, we, we receive it right now. We receive it in Jesus' name. We receive it by faith. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.